that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as I learn. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. Please be seated. Wonderful. Uh, Sunday uh, morning service is going to be great. I'm trying to get out, get people here. Sometimes Christians get sick, and when they are sick, they stay home. I just don't understand that. I, I can't figure it out. Uh, my wife would tell you so many times uh, that I, I feel so sick. But I came to the service. Whether you know it or not, I don't know. I just have, it's my father's house, I got to go. I remember some years back, uh, we were back in the old building, and I was sick. And this was sinus, meaning <laughs> my nose was just dripping real bad, and, and I was coughing and all of that. And I said, this is going to be hard to preach today. Uh, how am I going to disguise this? Would you be going to say all this? Stuff? And we were in the service, and I kept telling the devil, let go of me before time for me to preach. You got to let go of me before the time to preach. And nothing happened. And uh, it was time to preach. And I said, now, if you don't let go of me, I'm going to pray for the sick then. And that's exactly what happened. There was a lady that had, I didn't know that, but she had one deaf ear. And that's been for years. That was the morning that ear got open and stayed open till she went to be with the Lord. And after that, I got so excited, I forgot I was sick. God confirms his word. It's not good to stay home when you're not feeling good, when the, the one who heals is in the church. That man Zion, he's there for us. Amen. So please be here. Invite people to come. I believe God will heal. I've seen, I don't know what is with, what's happening but if Jesus is truly healing, I'm in the hospital, I'll go. And we need to understand this is so important. Jesus didn't go to hospitals to heal people. Reading the scriptures, he never went. Jesus never went, he, never, he didn't go to the sick where they were. There was only one instance that I think, maybe a couple... Well, he actually went to somebody who was sick. And the man by the pool, remember that? Did you know that there were so many people sick there? He prayed for one man and left. You go figure. There were places where they kept lepers. Leposarium, he knew about it. He never went there. Lepers came to him. We've got to come to him. You just have to go to him. If you want anything, he's, he's asking you to come. You have to come. But if you wait, that's not faith. Even if you were dying, and you were seen the video with Renhard Bunke, dead. Somebody totally dead. Embalmed. But they said no. They went to the service. And guess what? 
got healed. I think we're getting it backward. We're asking God to come to the hospital to us. And God says, get out of the hospital, come. Read Smith Wigglesworth. They take them with their doctors straight into church. Doctors sitting by the side while preacher is preaching. And they go home healed without the doctor. We need to remember what the scripture tells us. Matthew 11, verse 12. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffers violence. Only the violent ones take it by force. Only the violent ones take it by force. And that leads to my message tonight. Christ has come to give mankind dignity. Christ and the dignity of man. Now, if you read in Romans chapter 4, I believe verse 21, it says, And being fully convinced, being fully persuaded, the problem is we are not fully persuaded that God can change our situation. We're looking at this situation with our natural eyes. And we've been living that situation for a long time. Nothing has changed. And maybe we've prayed here and there and still it stays the same. And we are not fully convinced that God, this God that we serve, is able to transform that situation. We're not. We're not. And we're all together. We have to come to the place where we are fully convinced that no matter how tough this situation is, God is still able to act and to change the situation. Abraham went through that. I mean, for years, 25 years. He was praying for just one thing and respecting God. But when he heard from God, when he heard the word of God, just God speaking to him, many times we think, well, God appeared before Abraham and he saw God. We don't know that. He was all by faith. He heard God by faith. In his heart. And he was fully persuaded, even though he knew his body was dead, but God has spoken. God has spoken. That's Old Testament. God has spoken, and he held on to God's promise. He was fully persuaded. Are you persuaded, fully persuaded, fully convinced that your situation can change? Because God's in it. It may not change overnight. For Abraham, it was 25 years. If it's not happening tomorrow, we, we quit. And then we're calling and we're sorrowful. And we're pleading. But God can change anything. And he's, we honor him when we trust him and things are going the other way. We dishonor him when we quit because things are going the other way. We don't trust him. Think about it. Maybe he allowed it to see if you will stay with it when things don't go the way it should go. Joseph didn't quit when things were going the other way. And he was going further and further down. But you can tell he still believed God because the Bible says, and God was with Joseph. The Bible tells us, draw near to God and God will draw near to you. So we can tell Joseph was still drawing near to God when things were going the other way. But we quit. And this is a fight of faith. It's called the good fight of faith. We have to trust God that God knows what he's doing and God will work for us. 
Christ came to restore for us, every one of us, dignity that we've lost. And you can go back to the very beginning. The first thing that happened after sin, sin has brought the, uh, uh, lack of dignity to our lives. Sin brought that to us. And you can see from the very beginning what happened after sin. Fear. That means fear shouldn't have been a part of our lives. And every time something happens that is out of the ordinary, guess the first thing that grips you? Fear. That's not what fear wasn't meant for us. God didn't create man to be afraid. And Adam was the first one that used the word. <laughs> he used the word fear. I was afraid. That was not where God placed him. That was not God's original intent for mankind to be afraid, to be uncertain about your life or the future. That was what Adam was. He was fearful. He was even fearful of God. He hid himself. Shame. That's not dignity. Shame. He was ashamed. Confused. Exposed. Naked. And then there was a, a sense of loss. He's lost everything. And he knew things were going, were, were going to go downhill. He knew that. He's lost everything. And then comes want. We were not created for want. God himself planted the garden to supply all of his needs. There was no reason to be afraid or to worry for tom about tomorrow. Everything was there. And Satan robbed him of his dignity. Exposed him. He became naked. Fearful. And then after that he knew sickness and disease. How much that's robbed us of our dignity. Sickness can really rob a man of his dignity. I keep thinking in my mind, God, when it comes to the time where, you know, maybe my son has to lead me to a bathroom and, and help me, I want to go home. Think about it. That's no dignity. I can't help myself. And sickness is it. Sickness is it. Is, is, is the cause of that. And sickness came through that to make us lose our dignity before before men and before God. That's not supposed to be. That's why I like Larry Hutton's uh, message. I don't want this old man's disease. Old man's sicknesses, you know about that? Did you hear him say that? Yeah. That song can tell me, I don't think I remember everything he said, but that will never go away from my mind. Old man's disease. Because we all expect it. It's flu season. Have you heard that before? So if you have, if you, if you're suffering from a flu, we are, oh, it's flu season, brother. You got it. <laughs> it's normal for us, right? We expect it. We expect all of these negative things to come to us based on the season. Oh, well, now I'm 50 years old. I remember, you know, when I turned Angela, teased <laughs> she teased me a lot. <laughs> you know, because you hear all these things, you have to reject it. 
from your mind. Then I got 55. My daughter said uh, she, we were at uh, some kind of a park, water park. And uh, I was still trying. I'm still young. They were old. We're still 50. And uh, we were at this water park. And, you know, you pay less if, <laughs> if you're a certain age. And uh, I was not going to pay less. <laughs> I refused to pay less. But my daughter, Grace, she saw that number. She says, there, Daddy, that's, that's 55. You are a senior citizen. I said, be quiet. Yes, don't don't repeat that word, okay? That's almost like a curse word. Don't don't say it. And do, so, you know, children don't they, when they talk, Daddy, look! <laughs> don't give my secret out to everybody, okay? And then during those days, you know, one morning, you know, usually I just I wake up and just roll off, and then I'm ready to go. And rolled off, my buddy said, where do you think you're going? <laughs> we are 55 now. <laughs> oh, my. That time has come. Whew. I was looking forward to this time. I'm not kidding. But that's the way it is. But I reject that in Jesus' name. I reject all of that in Jesus' name. Because Jesus came to give us dignity. To restore dignity to us. I don't have to walk doing this. No. If that time comes, I'm ready to go home. That's what we say, Bill. Just speak it with your mouth. It's what you desire. You know, the Bible says God will give you the, the, the righteous, the desires of your heart. Have you read that scriptures? The desires of a righteous man shall be granted. And I'm righteous, not based on my work or the works that I've done, but based on the finished work of Calvary. I'm free. I am righteous before God. God sees nothing wrong with me, and God sees nothing wrong with you because you are a child. You accepted Christ into your life, and when He looks at you, He sees Christ. He sees beauty. So you are righteous. It's just your desire is wrong. The desires of a righteous man shall be granted. God cannot lie. God cannot lie. We have to believe that. Contrary to what we feel. That's what it tells us in Romans chapter 4 with Abraham. He went contrary to what he knew and felt. And the word of God gave him life. The word of God gave him life. You know, let me tell you this. Jesus was really the word of God before he came. That was who he was. In heaven, he was the word of God. That was the one in heaven. That was the one who was present with God the Father the day man was created. He was active in the creation. Read Romans, I mean, uh, Proverbs chapter 8. He was active 
in the creation. That was before he came. In heaven, he was known as the word of God. You can read it in Revelation. He is still known as the word of God. But when he came into the world and he took on flesh, he became Jesus. The word of God in flesh. Amen? He was the word of God in flesh. Jesus was the man. And when the Spirit came, that made him the Christ. The anointed one. And so, so they were so intimate that the name of Jesus, because that's the word of God in human flesh, and the Spirit of God, the anointed one, that name performs wonders on the earth. The name of Jesus performs wonders on the earth. Have you noticed the scriptures? Sometimes he uses the word Jesus, but other times he uses the word Christ. And you wonder why? Why does it change from one to the other? Christ. Christ. Because when the Holy Spirit comes on the, the Word of God, made flesh, that's the anointed one. That's Christ. Things change when you use that name. Because the anointed one is named Jesus. Amen? And things will change. That's why the Bible tells us, Christ has redeemed us from what? The curse of the law. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Having become a curse for us. That's an amazing word. The word Christ, that's not Jesus' last name. Just me, that means the anointed one. The, in the New Testament, they will tell you, Jesus by Joseph, son of Joseph, the carpenter. That was the man. But when the Holy Spirit and the time came, and that word of God, and the Holy Spirit came into him, the anointed, he became the anointed one. That's the Christ. Not son of Joseph, but the Christ. And his name is Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. The one that changes things. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Everything that brought a lack of dignity to a man, Jesus redeemed us from that. Everything. Everything. That's want. That's sickness and disease. That's bad relationships. That's mental torture. That's depression. I don't care what you call it. If it doesn't make you feel good, Jesus redeemed you. I mean, Christ redeemed you from it. Not going to, He has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Because He, Christ Himself, notice we started with the word Christ. How can Christ, the Word of God, the anointed, be a curse? And that's huge. And if he did it for me, it will work. Otherwise, that's a joke. That God became a curse for me. That was the word before he came. That's why when we use his name, the devil will have to back off. The name is so powerful. When we use that name, things change. And Jesus gave us the use of his name. He says, go use my name. 
We need to go back to this scripture. He says it became a curse for us. For it is written, curse is everyone that hangs on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. But we stop there. The blessings of Abraham. It's, it's an amazing thing. If I, if I have the blessings of Abraham, I can recognize God when I see him. Because that was part of Abraham's blessing. He saw three people, men. That's why the Bible says, don't forget to entertain strangers. Because you don't know when you will entertain, entertain the angels. Unaware. Well, he knew the difference. Abraham knew the difference between the angel and who was the Lord among them. There were three. He addressed one because he knew who that was. And then means he was looking. That's why Jesus said, Abraham saw my day and rejoiced. He said, you're not up to 50 years old and you've seen Abraham before Abraham was, I am. Abraham saw. Abraham saw. But notice what the word says. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit. What's he talking about? The Spirit of the Christ. That's bigger in my mind than the blessings of Abraham. Think about it. It's the Spirit of the Christ. You know we talk about the Spirit of the Antichrist. So there is the Spirit of the Antichrist that is at work in our generation. It's working right now. But we also have received the Spirit of the Christ. We got a body sanctified. Amen. Set apart by God. And then we are anointed just like the Christ. That's why we call them Christians. Little Christ. All over the place. So we have the Spirit of the Christ to make true in our life in our lives, what Jesus has accomplished for us. Notice what it says. That's uh, 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 Ephesians 3 verse 20. Unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all, we can ask or think according to what? According to the Christ. Spirit that is in us. The same Christ Spirit that brought restoration. The same Spirit of Christ that brought restoration to us. But am I fully convinced that things are going to change? Is it because I don't have good education so there's nothing I can do? I'm in a very bad situation and in some places my, if it were not for my country, the, how bad the country is, things would be different. No matter where you live, you still can believe God. According to what Jesus has done for us. We have been anointed to change things. And I mean, you can read that in Acts chapter, chapter 10, verse 38. How God anointed, notice the word that is used. Jesus, right? So, not Christ now, but now Jesus. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. 
So when you are anointed with the Holy Spirit, you have power. It's there. You don't have to feel it. The power is there. He went about doing good and healed everyone that was oppressed by the enemy. So if things are not going well in my life, guess where it's coming from? The enemy. The enemy is the cause of it. The oppression is from the enemy. Healing all who are oppressed by the devil. So everyone that Jesus healed was oppressed by the devil. I know we have medical terms for everything that's going on, but Jesus, the Bible tells us, that's the truth. Whatever you see is an oppression from Satan. And God has anointed us, and that's what we were seeing on Sunday, by the power of God, by the grace of God, bring the sick. If they're willing to come here, God's going to heal them. If we, if we don't walk to bring them in, God knows we're not serious, we don't really believe, because when you believe, you act. kind of funny. I go back when I was in college. Some story this guy was telling me, or maybe I read it somewhere, but this um, um, Chinese atheist is telling this Christian person, if you, do you really believe what you're telling me? He says, because what you're telling me about heaven and hell and all of this stuff, is says, you don't act like you believe it. He said, if I believe what you're telling me, you believe, I'll crawl on my hands and feet. I will crawl all over this place telling everybody and warning them. I don't see that in you. You don't act like you believe it. You don't act like it. So I'm not convinced. Because if you really believe what you're telling me, you believe your attitude should be different. How are they viewing us? How do you respond? If you really believe God can really do this, then I'm not afraid to invite them. And well, I don't know. This person is blind. What if they come and God didn't open their eyes? Then they will say, you deceive me. No, I don't care. Just bring them. Just bring them. You don't have control over that. For me, I'm not going to have a sleepless night for it because God is faithful. God is faithful. I don't let anyone put pressure on me because I'm, we're going to have a healing service. I remember Angela and I, 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 was, I was invited to Florida to preach in a church. And this fellow told me, uh, good luck, the only reason they are inviting you is they want to see people healed. I said, yeah, I know. He says, are you sure? This was when we started ministry. Are you sure somebody's going to be healed? I said, well, I don't guarantee that, but I believe he says, well, I, I don't know about this because that's the only reason they're asking you to come. That's a lot of pressure. But, I don't heal anybody. Jesus does. And I said, if they listen to the word, God will heal them. And guess what? I went. And guess what? God healed them. God healed them. And so God will do the same thing for us. Christ's spirit can bring restoration in every area of life. His job is to restore dignity to our lives. If you read in Isaiah 54... God says, I won't suffer you. I won't allow you to suffer disgrace. Read it. I won't allow you to be put to shame. I hold on to those scriptures when things don't make sense. God says, you have promised me 
you will not permit me to suffer shame. God says, you suffered a little bit because I turned the other way just, a li- just for a moment. But God says, I'm turning back to you and I'm going to be with you. He's going to be everlasting. That gives me comfort. He's with me. If he allows me to go through it, that's a test. Wonderful. He thought I can handle it. I can rejoice in that. Because the day is going to come when everything is going to be revealed. You know, God thought Job can handle it, right? Yes. That's a great honor. <laughs> what if God thinks, no, 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 I'm not, he can't handle it. That's not good. That's not good. He can handle it. Because I know, God said that of Abraham. I know, who, I know him. Read that. Genesis 18. I know him. I know his makeup. He's going to do this for me. Okay, will God say the same thing for me? That's what I want. That's what I... God, please, empower me. I'm willing. I know I don't... Without you, I can do nothing. Is that not what the scripture says? I, so I acknowledge that. God, without you, really, I can't do anything. But would you empower me and have confidence because of the power you've given to me and align my character to be willing to go all the way and not turn to the right or to the left, even when failures come. That's the thing about Christianity. It's not just the toss to and fro. The wind is blowing this way, oh, let's, let's run this way. That's, that's not the way it's supposed to be. We have to stay steady. A double-minded person is unstable in all his ways. Well, maybe God will do it. Maybe God won't do it. Today, oh, I feel good because there are positive signs. <laughs> wow, God's doing it. Tomorrow, well, brother, I don't know anymore. I mean, I'm telling you. I'm just telling it as it is. Well, I don't want as it is with you. See, but that's the way we are. Tossed to and fro. And God's saying, I can't do business with this person. He won't allow me or she won't allow me to finish the work. Because when things get bad, your attitude changes. And you are mad. You are angry. You got somebody's got a pain. That's not the way it's supposed to be. But he came to restore. Let me show this story to beautify our lives. And I'm praying that for this church, our church members, I pray for you. Not like, you know, pastors praying for me. No, I want what's best for you because when it's good for you, it's good for me. Amen? I want to see God's work with my own eyes. I pray that God beautify, beautify your life. Make you great. That's the will of God. That's what he told Abraham. I will make your name great. It's Abraham. And he did. And that's the blessing of Abraham, right? You have to stay there with those scriptures. That's what you told me. I like David, you know. David, Nathan told David, you know, God, God just showed me this. Your, one of your sons will always be on the throne in life. That's he was speaking about Jesus. I think somehow David understood it. And, um, if you read the scriptures, to me it's really graphic and very touching. 
Because Nathan told him that in the, while he was in the palace, in his house. The prophet left, and David went to the tabernacle and just sat there. Because in that time, that's where God was. They have the place, the tabernacle, before the temple was built. He just sat there for a while. And then he says, God, why have I found so much favor in your sight? Why? Why? You've blessed me so much. Look, look at all these things you've done for me. And now look, you are making this promise. It's so great. You didn't do that for Saul. They remembered that. Now you're telling me, as long as life is, my son, one of my children, my descendant, will be on the throne. He says, this is the wonderful thing, God, that you've said. And then he believes. You know what? After he had praised God and thanked God, now he said, now God, remember, you have said this thing. Just do it, okay? <laughs> Read it. Do it. He thanked God and then he held God to his promise. Amen? And God performed that promise for him. Jesus came for restoration for us. That's what Jesus has come to do for us. I want to read Isaiah 61, verse 1 through 3. It says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. That's Jesus now, the anointed. Because the Lord has anointed me. He's made me the Christ to preach the gospel or the good tidings to the poor. So what are we anointed to do? I didn't hear you. We are anointed to what? To preach. To preach. Well, I'm not called to be a preacher. Well, you lie to yourself. <laughs> because when God fills you with the Holy Spirit, you can preach. You can share with somebody. He has anointed me to preach. The good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. So Jesus was sent to heal those who are brokenhearted. Something has happened to you. Something. That's what Satan came to do. To cause man to be brokenhearted. And you read Isaiah chapter 10, I believe verse 27 there. He tells us that Jesus, the anointed one, he takes the yoke. Okay? He lifts up the burden. And sometimes we say it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. You heard that before? Yeah. He lifts up the burden. And he destroys the yoke. Not break the yoke. Can I say the word? Destroys the yoke. It's not a yoke that you can put back together. It's destroyed. He destroys the yoke. He destroys it. And then he puts a new kind of yoke upon you because he says, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take, notice he doesn't put it, he says, You take my yoke. You take it. Yoke with me. We're going places. Amen? We're going places. 
You can imagine if you're yoke, yoked with the wealthiest man in the United States, okay, he can go anywhere without you. Your life's changed, right? Because everywhere you go, you're there with him. He's signing a check, you're right there with him because you're yoked. <laughs> That's what Jesus has come to do for us. To bring us back to where he created. The broken hearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. And the opening of prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable, acceptable year of the Lord. And the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. Vengeance of our God. In fact, you can read Second Corinthians uh, chapter 6, verse 2. Can you keep put that scripture for me up? I know Teresa, I'm all going and over all over the place today. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. You're so slow, lady. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. For he says, what does he say? In an acceptable time, I've what? I've heard you. And in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, that means look. What is it? Now. Can you say the word with me? Now. That's the day of my restoration. That's the day God brings back dignity into my life. Now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. That's what he's telling us. Back to the other scripture, please. Isaiah 61. To console those who mourn in Zion. But look at this. That's what it is to restore our dignity. Beauty for what? For ashes. That's where, that's where we were before. And that's the truth. Are you fully convinced that God can do this? Take you from ashes and bring you back into beauty? Maybe you made some mistakes. You cursed yourself to be ashes, right? From that to beauty. That's what he says. That's the promise. That's what Abraham believed. He was fully convinced that God can do this. To give them beauty for ashes. No shame. No disgrace. No failure. Beauty for ashes. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. No depression. Amen? That naughty feeling inside. That's not your inheritance. Jesus came to remove that from you. To restore dignity into your life. To give you beauty for ashes. You've been in ashes too long. The Savior is here to free me from that. I must be fully persuaded that God will bring me out from this pit that I'm in from these ashes and give me beauty. Yes, it's been long. It's been difficult. But God, you can take me to beauty. He came. That's what Jesus... And in fact, you can read in um, Luke chapter 4. <coughs> the only thing, excuse me, that wasn't mentioned there was the opening of the eyes of the blind. 
the recovery of sight. But you read in uh, uh, Isaiah 61, it tells us that. Beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. I don't have to be depressed. There will be no reason for me to be depressed. I know Satan is going to simulate and bring circumstances into my life. That if I look at them and I forget the God who is bringing me into beauty, then I get depressed. But you can rise up just like Samson when he says, I will rise up and shake myself again. Have you read that scripture? Yeah. You tie him up. Yeah. <laughs> when he's not connecting with the Holy Spirit. But when it's time for battle, guess what? Those ropes just go away from him. That's what the scripture is telling us here. The oil of joy for money. You know why that's so important? The joy of the Lord is what? Our strength. And so what the enemy wants to do is to cloud our lives with all kinds of difficulties, take our eyes and our minds from God, we become focused on our problems, and guess what? We lose our joy. And when we lose our joy... We lose our strength. It's like something. When your hair is cut off, it's over. Your joy is like Samson's looks. That's what it is. But he came to give us beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for money. The garment, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That's what we're talking. It's so specific. If you're suffering from depression, just stay this scripture all the time. Stay with it. Every time that bad feeling comes, tell yourself, the oil of joy for morning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. In other words, put in some music, sing, make a joyful noise. So that that thing is gone. That's what he came to do for us. To restore our dignity. That will happen. Notice what happens when that happens. That they may be called what? Not shrubs of righteousness. Okay? <laughs> trees of righteousness. Tree, trees of righteousness. Not shrubs. You know, tiny plant there. That's what the Lord planted. It's too small. We want trees of righteousness. When all these things take place and God has restored your dignity, you're a tree of righteousness. It's a Bible, Jesus talks about that thing, like a mustard seed. But then when it's really planted, it grows and the birds come to rest on that, right? Yeah, you become a tree. Because God planted you. Amen? God is the one that planted you. When you received Jesus, you thought you did a good thing for yourself. No. God was planting you. Amen? As a tree of righteousness. Uh, beautiful. He came to restore that for us. It says it's the planting of the Lord. And God is doing it for himself. That he may be glorified. I won't go into that tonight, but I can see in scriptures where God is so focused on restoring 
a man or a woman's dignity in life. So focused on it. So focused on restoring dignity because we'll lose it. And just probably just go through this and I'll close because of time. If you read in John chapter 4, there was a woman that had lost her dignity in life. She's been married five times. You know the story. And then she had a husband. And she was aware. Nobody liked her in that small city cycle. Nobody liked her. They avoided her. The Bible said Jesus was, if you read in that scripture, he says, Jesus left Judea and he was going back to Galilee. That's up north. But he needed to go through, well, he didn't need to go through Samaria. The Jews don't go through Samaria. (coughs) Excuse me. He didn't need to go through there. But the Bible says he needed to go through Samaria. Why? For that woman. For that woman that had lost her dignity. See, God, you look at scriptures, it's so amazing. Jesus said, I don't say anything unless what I hear my father say. I don't do anything unless what I see my father doing. The father said, we're going through cycle. There's a woman there. And God worked the whole circumstance where the disciples left him alone so he can have a one-to-one with the woman. And they stayed until he was through. God and his angels, they were orchestrating this for the restoration of this woman's dignity. It's an amazing story. We'll read and we just pass through. But now think about it. She came at about 12 o'clock in the afternoon. She knew nobody would be there. She didn't want to deal with people. You know how people go through difficulties? Instead of coming to be around people, they pull themselves away from people because they know what everyone is thinking about them. It's not, it's not good to be in their presence. I know what they're thinking about me. And I don't want to confront them. I don't want anybody, you know, if you can imagine, you, you, you maybe if you, she went in the morning when other women, you know, want they go there to, to get there. They, she hears them laughing somewhere. And she think, she'll think, well, they're talking about me. And that's very uncomfortable. Especially when you can't hear what they're saying. And you know they're talking about me. I've been married five times. And now I have a boyfriend and I'm not married. And, and we're Jews. We're not supposed to do this. And she was ashamed. And so she avoided the people, and they avoided her too. She was like a plague. They avoided her. And she knew it. So she came at 12 o'clock, and then, I mean, usually, in my mind, usually, it was just her and the well. Now she had a problem. Somebody was sitting at the well. Right? And she made up her mind, that's the only time I can draw water, So I'm going to ignore him and he'll ignore me. I just do my thing and go. It's just one person, okay? And then as she drew closer, the problem got greater. He's a Jew, right? As I say, we don't even talk to them. So this is getting gooder for me. (laughs) I don't have to talk to him and he won't talk to me. He's a Jew. 
She didn't know it was a rabbi. She had no idea. But there was something about that place. If you read the scripture, there was all a talk. Sometimes these things are buried there. But there was talk all over town about the Messiah. Do you know that? Because when she, you know how I know that? When she told them about, is this not the Messiah? They all went out. That tells me they've been thinking about it. They've been thinking about it. If no one is thinking about Messiah, they say, what's she talking about? But everyone was talk, thinking about Messiah. And so it was right for Jesus to go there. But first, to restore this woman's dignity. So important. So he sat by the well, and she came, and she was sure he's not going to say a word to me. He's Jewish, and he's male. And I'm a Samaritan woman. He's not going to say. It was quiet, and she was getting a bucket in there to draw water. And then to a shock, he said something to her. She was shocked. Wow. He's speaking to me. And all she says, uh, the shock was so strong. She says, how is it that you, a Jewish male, you are speaking to me, a Samaritan woman? That's unusual. But you know, when Jesus spoke to her, you know who was speaking to her? The Father. He only said what the Father gave him. He would have said a word if the Father didn't speak. So it was God himself that spoke and spoke to her and Jesus was the Word. He came out and spoke to her. It made an impact. She didn't want to believe that. But you spoke to me. Um, what do you really want? Kind of stuff. Hey, you want water? And you go, go through the story. But Jesus said something to her that stayed with her. She said, give me water, give me to drink. And she says, you, you're talking to me. I'm a Samaritan woman. Jesus said, now, if you know the gift of God, okay, and who it is that's speaking to you, you would have rather asked him, and he would have given you living water. You know, the woman heard it and understood he was talking about water, but maybe not this water. Because she said to him, you don't have a bucket. The well is deep. And she said, where would you get this living water? So she heard what she said. She didn't say, where, did, where would you get water? He said, where would you get this living water? Are you greater than our father? You know, Jacob, he gave us this well, and his children drank from it. And Jesus said, well, now... You drink from this water. So we're talking about a different kind of water. And you get thirsty again. And you come back here. And then she said, give me this water that you're talking about. I want that water. You know, when you, Jesus talks to us, he addresses us in the area where we're hurting the most. When she said, give me this water to restore her, Jesus said, go call your husband. That was the major part of her life. Her whole life was wrapped in this one problem she had that made her to lose her dignity. That was it. There was nothing said, no condemnation. Go call your husband and two of you come and I'll give you this living water. 
she spoke out casually, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, you're right. You got five. You have had five. And the one that you're living with now is not your husband. And then Jesus, I wish all preachers would recognize this as we talk with people. He never condemned us. Notice she never felt condemned in his presence. Never. He commended her. He said, when you said that you have no husband, you spoke the truth. He commended her for telling the truth that wasn't pleasant. And she wasn't uncomfortable in his presence. And all of, you know how I know that? Because she got religious all of a sudden. She said, well, uh, our fathers worshipped on this mountain here. Chorazin, mountain. That's where we worship. They built, built their thing there. And you say, it's in Jerusalem that you worship. She got spiritual all of a sudden. This happens in the plane when you sit in class. This guy and he's in cursing and all of that. And then he says, what do you do for a living? And you say, I'm a preacher. Oh, God. <laughs> they so bad. And all of a sudden, they start talking spiritual as well. But you've heard all the cursing in the first place, right? But she said, yeah. But Jesus spoke to her about true worshipers. She didn't understand all of that. And she said to, her, to Jesus, I know the Messiah is coming. Even in her trouble, she knew about Messiah coming. And that was one of the few times Jesus actually revealed himself. I'm the one you're talking to. But let me show you how. As soon as the woman heard that, she left her water pot. That water is no longer important. Amen? I got something brand new. And she went to the city and went to those that won't talk to her. She restored. She started telling them. They never listened to her before. But they listened this time. They listened to her this time. And he said, they all went to see him. And, and, and this is the restoration, you know. They all stayed with, with her and they begged Jesus to stay. Please stay with us. And they listened to Jesus. And after they listened to Jesus, many of them went to the lady. They recognized the one that brought the Messiah to them. Amen. She was now dignified. They said, now listen, we believe, we've heard his words. It's not because of your testimony. We've heard him ourselves and, and uh, we believe that he's the Messiah. She now has class. Amen. I can imagine after she's gone, you see how he restored her dignity? After he's left town, how many of them will go to her and say, how did you find him? Tell us your story. They were not talking to her before, but Messiah spoke to her. She must be somebody important. That's what he came to do for us, to restore our dignity. And if there is any area in your life that's bringing you shame, I'm going to tell you tonight, take that to the Father, amen? And God will bring restoration in your life. God is able to do it. He, in fact, the Father is seeking you to bring that restoration. Because he came to seek and to save that which was lost. Stand up with me tonight. I'm going to go farther. Thank you, Lord Jesus. No, whatever area in your life tonight, please. This is not just a word for a message that's good. I'm saying to you, Jesus is here tonight. Okay, brothers and sisters? 
He can bring restoration in that part of your life that is tending to bring shame into your life. Talk to him tonight and tell him, God, I'm giving this area to you. Why don't you speak to me so I can find solace, so I can find peace, so I can find dignity in this area of my life. Jesus is here tonight with us and the Father is speaking. Father, Lord, we thank you. We give you praise. Would you raise your hands up to him tonight? Thank you, Lord God. There's a reason that we're hearing what you're saying tonight. It was the Father, we believe, speaking to us through your word. And Jesus, we believe you. We are fully convinced that you are able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. We thank you, Lord, tonight for restoration. We thank you for beauty instead of ashes, O oh God. The oil of joy for mourning, O oh God. Give us laughter. Restore our fortunes according to your word that we might be trees of righteousness planted by God. Trees of righteousness planted by our God. We give you praise. We stand on your word tonight. Lord, I speak peace upon every life that's experiencing confusion, shame, disgrace, whatever it is. I speak peace to that situation by the powerful name of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. We're in agreement. God bless you. Thank you.